0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. All roads lead to Rome. Do you know that phrase? Different paths can lead to the same goal. Back in the day, the Roman Empire built up a vast network of roads that that worked their way all throughout Europe and Asia and Africa, more than 250,000 miles. Can you imagine that much? And it did far more than just give people a way to get from point A to point B. A network of roads then, as now, was about proximity and power, about access and wealth. And at the hub of that network was a city that grew more and more powerful until, of course, the moment when it didn't. As it happens, all roads still lead to Rome. My son has a geography book. We really enjoy geography in my house. And and on one of the pages, it explores how the roads, the interstate highway system in Europe, is actually very much aligned with that original Roman highway network. So in many ways, all roads really do continue to flow towards Rome. It suggests to me that, that something happened when those roads were put in place. A kind of power was locked in. A king or queen may have a lot of power and might have the ability to have great impact in one lifetime. But if you think about who builds the roads, if you think about who creates the systems that then lead to prosperity or a lack thereof, now you're talking about the power to impact the lives of people for centuries, if not millennia to come. We are concluding a church year today, and we're doing it with a big finish that, pl- that places Christ on a heavenly throne. It's actually one of the most recent feasts of the church year. It dates back only a little more than a century. It was created in the wake of the carnage of the First World War to help us remember that our true sovereign is the one who loves us and whose death and resurrection redeems us if only this were ancient history if only we could say that this buffers us by a century from this kind of suffering but we know that the war in ukraine as it grinds towards a stalemate much like that of the war Just over a century ago, we realized we are still there. When we consider the violence in Israel and Gaza, we realize that we are still there, and we must look not to the powers and principalities of this world, but to something far greater. Before we get too fixated, though, on simply having the best king possible, Let's think of the wider infrastructure that would grow up, be built up around Christus Rex, around a heavenly reign, the center of which is the Lord of life. What would that look like, and how would that differ from the world that we have built up today? Well, first of all, the map would look a whole lot different. A system of roads is all about efficiency. It's about moving people and goods from one point to another uh, as seamlessly as possible. And our, uh, I did a lot of meditating over the past week on our interstate highway system. You may have as well. Let us pray for those who are still on the interstate highway system today, the Sunday after Thanksgiving. You know where our, inter- our highway system came from, who built it. It was Eisenhower. Who, after returning from the carnage of the Second World War, recognized that if war of that nature should come to our shores, we needed a way to move people and materials around the country as quickly and efficiently as possible. And that happened. The war didn't come, thank God, but now we have the highway system. But this new network also created winners and losers. This new network created a way for people to move out of cities and find their way into suburbs, and suddenly we have sprawled out quite a bit farther. This new network also led to a kind of frictionless prosperity for some, while forgetting Many who lived far from them or who lived in places that were suddenly deemed as less desirable. Thus, says, this is not how the grace-filled kingdom of God would work. Here, roads would be mapped out in a way that would reclaim and recover those who had been forgotten. Indeed, those folks would never be forgotten in the first place. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will search for my sheep scattered across the valley and bring them home. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, Imagine, if you will, a kingdom whose response to the broken is not to ignore them or even just accommodate them, but to see their recovery as essential, indeed, the very thing that this whole kingdom is about in the first place. Perhaps, rather than Christ the King Sunday, we might think of this day as Restoration Sunday when we remember that the culmination of our earthly story is not the elevation of Christ to a throne so much as the promised restoration coming to fruition, when the lost and the lonely and the brokenhearted can rekindle joy, when the poor and the dehumanized will rediscover their God-given dignity, when forgiveness... And grace will restore each and every one of us. Imagine that. Imagine a state, a nation, a communion where love and equality was the animating spirit as well as the gross domestic product. That is the kingdom that we envision when we see Christ taking his place on a throne. But don't let recent history trick you into thinking that this, this is just a fool's errand. This, we are not envisioning uh, a hippie commune where free love is just freedom from fidelity and meaningful growth. Apologies to all hippies. This is not a socialist state where we are simply replacing one form of exploitation with another. This is something different. I will bind up the injured, we are told, but I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you butted at the weak animals with your horns and scattered them. The fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. I will feed them with justice. My first thought, when I hear that, is of boxers or or fashion models slimming down on a deadline that the fat sheep might see what's coming and go on a crash diet. But that's not going to work because God sees them and instead has something to add to their diet. I will feed them with justice. Funny how justice is a food that hits different stomachs differently. Funny that justice, the thing for which the faithful and the left behind hunger most of all, is the very thing that will turn the stomachs of those who are doing just fine with the present order. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe if the idea of justice and restoration turns your stomach a little bit, makes you a little queasy, if that idea makes you kind of shuffle in your seat a little bit, not sure how that's going to turn out you might consider that you are not the king's top priority on that day. So maybe instead of Christ the King Sunday, we ought to call this Justice Sunday. When the sheep who have grown fat from scattering the weak and taking their rations are no longer running the field and those who have, plenty, who, have, who have gone hungry now have plenty to eat. But this is far more than what we might imagine. This is, this is not just writing a new constitution or, or going off the grid to, to crea- create our own little na- na- uh, nation state. But rather, this is nothing short than an evolution in human consciousness. Where love is grounded in our fidelity to one another and our gratitude for all that God has created. A few weeks ago, in our Sunday Bible study, we, we looked at this pe- the period of Israelite history when the people called for a king to rule over them. This is the point where, okay, the judges, they're doing okay, but we'd like a little bit more. Uh, made some sense. It it may be good to have some a little more central authority when, when those neighboring nations are suddenly on the war path. But that desire for a king was such a mixed blessing. They wanted, they wanted the powerful leader, the one... Uh, who could speak with a voice that made them just feel kind of good about who they were? They wanted to feel safe. They wanted to feel secure. They wanted to feel prosperous. And their answer was, "Give us a king." And so that that happened. Saul, and then David, and then Solomon. They took the thrones, but. But there was now a new vulnerability, and this is the story of Scripture. Uh, One, the calling of these these kings who became a part of the identity, but also the recognition that it was a profoundly mixed blessing. And that as those new kings uh, began to get comfortable with their power and would fall away from faith and from the promises that they had made, what did the people do? They, they, they looked away. They were distracted because things were working out just fine for them otherwise. Which is why I get a little bit nervous when we talk about Christ the King as an image. Not, I don't get nervous at all with thinking of Christ as my sovereign. I, I think that's beautiful. That warms my heart. What makes me a little antsy is how we sheep tend to become even more sheeply when we have a king that gives us all the right feels. But if we can think about something different, if we can think a little bit more of the kingdom itself, of the whole reign that we as faithful people are called to co-create with God, we might instead, as an image, think of those constellations of roads that bend and ramble as they find their way back to one another and then finally to the city where it all started. This is the path of integration. Where we begin to see how all roads flow together. In Christ, roads wind their way towards union, towards unity with others, and towards oneness with God. To see with faithful eyes is to suddenly see not our tendency towards division, but to have eyes open to see all the different ways that this integration happens as we thread and weave ever closer to one another and are drawn ever closer to our home in God. To, have, to get on any one of those roads is to see how they flow together, and it's to have the eyes of your heart enlightened. There are many roads, just as there are many rooms. Justice is one road. Gratitude is one road. Faith is one road. Compassion is one road. Hope. Is one road. They all flow together. They all flow together towards the major highway of love and then finally into the very heart of God. So perhaps instead of Christ the King Sunday, we might call this Integration Sunday, where our work in the world and our songs in the cathedral and our justice work, and our giving, and our discernment are all interwoven parts of the same fabric. All roads then, all these roads, all these tributaries move the lifeblood of the body of Christ. And as they do so, they head towards something for me that's, that's bigger than kingship. Indeed, bigger than restoration, bigger than justice, and even bigger than integration. These are all some of my favorite words, but I think this is bigger than that. Each of these flow towards the heart of the eternal, where God binds up the broken world and restores it to wholeness. Perhaps this really ought to be called Reconciliation Sunday. When we conclude another year with a homecoming where, forgiven and restored, we come home to God's perfect love. In Christ, it turns out, all roads lead to one place. But that place is not the center of worldly power, nor is it a new city with a king a little more to our liking. Rather, all roads, when we embark faithfully with a whole heart, seeking the presence of God in all around us, all those roads will lead us home.